From minimum wage to six-figure incomes, high school diplomas to PhDs, this podcast is about the workers who make up our nation's economy. I'm Allie, and this is Employed. People still have this conception or this preconceived notion that impact is all just like, you know, hugs and kisses and lovey-dovey and, you know, bleeding hearts, when really it's a, it's a, it's a truly a strategic kind of differentiator and it should be uh, baked into the DNA of your company to help drive business outcomes, to help build the be- best possible company and brand that you can and to help drive incredible value to your customers. Thank you so much, Lauren, for coming onto the podcast. Can you introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. Thanks so much for having me. My name is Lauren Wampa, and I am the head of social impact at Dave. Awesome. Tell us a little bit about Dave and and what you guys do over there. Yes, yes. People always ask me, well, is is Dave a company? Is it a person? Um, So Dave is a fintech Um, We are headquartered here in Los Angeles, and we are in the business of helping people kind of achieve their kind of collective financial potential. Um, And so we started off as an advanced business where we were providing um, liquidity to people in the form of kind of advances before their next paycheck without the predatory fees or um, with no recourse. So we're not reporting people to credit uh, credit bureaus, um, but we're really helping people kind of in times of need and very quickly are evolving um, to be an even more comprehensive kind of financial services product from there, where we're helping people go from a place of uh, kind of financial precarity to a, a place of true financial health. Wow, that's amazing. And I'm sure this last year, especially you've seen a huge growth in that as people have just the unexpected happen to them. Yeah, so. yeah. Last year was quite a year, very unprecedented in so many ways. Yeah. So I mean, what made you interested in this career in this industry? Yeah, so I mean, I uh, well, I think I'll I'll take you a little bit back into a little bit of more in history. Um, but I am a product of the recession. So I graduated from undergrad in two thousand nine, which was a terrible time to graduate. Yeah. I mean, the economy was in the tubes, and um, yeah, it was just it was really tough. And I, I I feel like I was joking with friends about how the fact that I just now feel like an adult um, ten years later. Um, but uh, what that meant was that I I found my kind of my, the earliest part of my career was in the nonprofit sector. I've always been this person that was committed to social justice and um, equality and equity. And I didn't even know that there was an opportunity to kind of um, have that kind of approach um, and be in work in the private sector. I thought the private sector was just all about money and didn't care about people. And so the nonprofit sector was kind of the natural kind of next steps after I graduated but then very quickly realized that, you know, we, we tend to put a lot of eggs in our, our in the basket of that, that sector um, to solve for a lot of the really complex kind of social problems that are facing us, but without providing not nearly enough of the resources and the capital to actually solve for some of those problems. Um, and so I was just getting increasingly frustrated with this Uh, reality of the nonprofit sector where you're constantly having to raise money um, to keep your program or keep your organization afloat. Um, You're at the whim of the the needs and wants of high net worth individuals or foundations. And it's really tough to, without kind of some of those really strategic resources to to actually work yourself out of a job, which which 
hopefully should be the, the point of any nonprofit. Um, and so, yeah, I decided to kind of go to business school because I was like, I've got to pay these student loans off somehow. Let me figure out you know, how I can kind of fare in the private sector. Um, and I went to USC. Um, I went to the Marshall School of Business and I did their Master of Science in Social Entrepreneurship program. And that really opened my eyes to uh, this entire new space of all things impact, social innovation, social entrepreneurship, and, and it exposed me to this really huge gap in the tech space where people had these incredible products that they were building and they were building, you know, companies with missions, but had no real way to kind of like operationalize it. And so, um, I just kind of decided to, to see where, uh, I could fit in in that space. Um, and started to kind of call myself the head of social impact. <laughs> and I was at Headspace first, and then I came over to Dave at the top of uh, 2020. And so I've been kind of doing this work ever since. I, I, when we first met, when we first talked a few weeks ago, I had no idea what that meant, the head of social impact. <laughs> and so I think this is something that I'd love to kind of share a little bit about, um, kind of like, as you mentioned, balancing that uh, social impact in the private sector. I think that's really cool that you were able to, to kind of find both in there. So what education and experience is required? So you, you mentioned a master's degree. Did you have to get licensed in anything? What, what do you find is helpful educationally? Yeah, I mean, for me personally, I, I felt like I needed a bit more business acumen um, in order to kind of strike out in the private sector. I didn't know, I didn't go to business school with the intention of kind of getting a role in social impact. It kind of just evolved. Um, but I do think that, you know, I think one of the reasons why I love kind of social impact as, a, as an idea or as, an, as a sector is that it's, it's differentiated from kind of traditional conceptions of corporate social responsibility, um, which can be silo, they can be a little bit of an afterthought, they can be really charity or philanthropic driven, um, whereas impact like kind of uh, dictates and demands that you are incredibly strategic about how your core business functions or product is actually solving a, a bigger problem. Um, and so with that, you know, I think sometimes uh, there's a lot of socialization that still has to happen, a lot of educating people to understand, you know, you know, what are you, what are you here for and what do you do? Um, and I think that people still have this conception or this preconceived notion that impact is all just like, you know, hugs and kisses and lovey-dovey and, you know, bleeding hearts when really it's a, it's a, it's a truly a strategic kind of differentiator and it should be uh, baked into the DNA of your company to help drive business outcomes, to help build the be best possible company and brand that you can and to help drive incredible value to your customers in a way that potentially not having like an impact or a mission-driven approach could, you know, could uh, result in. And so, you know, having that business acumen, I sometimes have to remind people like, no, 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 I have a business degree. So mm -hmm. I'm not, you know, I don't want to just give things away for free yeah. or I don't want to just, um, you know, I'm, I'm taking into consideration our, our, our business objectives as well and to kind of every decision that I'm doing, including, um, you know, making sure that decisions are very data driven. Um, so I, I wouldn't say that you'd absolutely, you know, you necessarily need a business degree. I would say that you have to be a, a critical thinker. You have to be solution oriented. You have to have some emotional, you know, EQ as well. You have to know how to, um, you know, pitch, you know, what you're doing and, and get buy-in. Um, you have to be able to speak and write 
really well so that you can kind of get your message across because you're typically um, working in, at the intersections of so many kind of key stakeholders across the organization. So you definitely wanna um, be persuasive in that way. So uh, business school didn't hurt, but I don't think it's a necessarily uh, a requirement. It's really actually exciting to see this space continue to grow and, and different companies kind of take a different approach as they should. I don't think there should be a turnkey, you know, copy and paste like, oh, I did social impact at Headspace right. and it's going to look exactly like I'm doing it here at Dave. Like it shouldn't be like that. And so because of that, you know, some companies are, um, you know, in the consumer packaged goods space. And so their impact strategies are much more around sustainability and supply sure. chain and, and those sorts of things. And then you've got folks in you know, SaaS businesses that are really driving their impact via, you know, diversity, equity, inclusion efforts and their branding and marketing and those sorts of things. So you see people kind of coming from all walks of life. There's a lot of folks that have policy backgrounds. There are folks that are marketers. There are people that, um, you know, come from the nonprofit space, social workers that kind of find themselves in tech. Um, so you really kind of see the gamut, which I love. I think, you know, people should be experts in um, trying to drive value for people that are on the receiving end of whatever your product or service is. And so you can get that expertise um, from any number of kind of, you know, specialties, which is really exciting. Okay, so what are the demographics of employees in this industry? Obviously, do you find challenges to being a woman, a person of color in this industry? How do you combat those challenges? Yeah, so um, yeah, I think there might be, I mean, less than a handful of black women who kind of don the title of head of social impact. I know there's one other woman um, based here in Los Angeles and, and we're, um, we kind of keep tabs on each other and say, you know, oh, what are you doing over here? And, and, and what are you doing over there? So that's really helpful to have someone that you can turn to and say, okay, I think we're on the right page here. Um, but yeah, by and large, it's still a very new kind of space. I think we see a lot of folks that are maybe making that transition from kind of traditional corporate social responsibility roles, which are way more pervasive, um, as, as you would imagine. Um, but yeah, I think typically, especially when you've got folks that are working in organizations and building their strategies to include things like equity and inclusion, to include things like, um, you know, strategic philanthropy to communities that, you know, might not have been centered before, you know, you, you start to see more and more folks that are coming at this work from different identity backgrounds, you know, they're sitting at different intersections of their own identities. So, you know, you're seeing folks of color who also might be in LGBTQ community, um, or you see black women, or you see, um, you know, folks coming from any number of backgrounds, which is exciting. Um, but I think generally tech, um, which is kind of the space I kind of mostly am yeah. in, is still very much, um, you know, not very diverse. <laughs> you know, I know we read, you know, pick up any newspaper at any given moment and, and know that to be true. So um, I think we're finding that kind of in this, in the impact space too, it's kind of following those similar trends, but I'm excited to see more and more people be interested in this space. I definitely encourage, encourage them to do so. Awesome. Thank you. Okay. So this one is obviously going to range depending on uh, the type of company you work for, but can you give us an idea of what range of salary someone can typically expect <laughs> to make at a position like this? Yeah, I mean, so that one's tough because it, it there's so many factors that contribute to that. You know, I think um, how I typically answer this question is that people should have 
their own set of criteria for how they select a company or brand or organization that they want to work for. And that then informs things like salary and comp and all that sort of thing. Um, but I think most importantly is, you know, do you want to be working at a place that you are maybe well compensated, but you're literally pulling your hair out every day because you're working 70 million hours a week and, you know, the people aren't so great and it's a toxic work environment, or do you want to be paying, you know, being paid maybe a little bit less or have a little less equity and be thriving, you know? And so in order to kind of make that determination between kind of toxicity and thriving, you have to understand, you know, what you're really looking for in an organization and a company and a team. Um, so a couple of things that I look for um, for me is like, you know, I was looking for a company that had a mission, you know, that was unapologetic about being mission driven, um, had a, a product that was inherently impactful. So, you know, we're helping people kind of when they're in a, a tight financial bind or when I was at Headspace, we're helping people have a different relationship with their mental health. Um, and I was looking for a team that, you know, I, I didn't want to be working out of someone's garage. So I was definitely looking at organizations that were, you know, post series A, uh, cause I want to make sure that, you know, my checks can come in on time and <laughs> the, the lights getting turned off at any given moment. Um, I wanted to work for kind of a founding team. So I wanted to work closely with the original founders. And, um, and, and I think there's some beauty in that because you can really help them think through about, you know, what this, what their company should and look, you know, should look like from an impact perspective. Um, and then of course, tech and then, you know, sector, I was, I was pretty agnostic. Um, but because of that, you know, that then allows you to kind of think, you know, if you're working in tech versus a nonprofit, you're probably going to be at a little bit of a higher salary uh, price point. You're, I'm working in Los Angeles, which is a higher cost of living. So all of those things then become considerations. I came in um, at a pretty high level in terms of like org structure. And so, you know, that kind of commands a certain salary uh, range. Um, and so, yeah, I would say like, you know, if you're, if you're just starting out, um, at a newer company that hasn't kind of built the infrastructure, um, but is a super small team or, you know, during, you know, still in their seed rounds or something like that, um, you know, that's going to inform your salary a bit differently than if you are kind of coming in at a later stage and those sorts of things. So I hope, I know it's not like super specific, like of dollars and cents, but I hope that helps people kind of think about. Um, one other thing I'll say that I think is really helpful because it is a little bit difficult when you're, you know, looking for roles in social impact, there's there's not as much data out there on like, you know, things like Glassdoor or um, any of those like kind of salary, uh, you know, websites and things like that. So what I do is I, I do look at kind of either uh, traditional CSR roles, so like director above level, um, I'll look at, you know, folks that are in strategy roles, um, um, and those sorts of things that help me kind of get a baseline for how much, you know, someone should be paid at that particular company at that leveling, if that, if that makes sense. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That is helpful. You mentioned work hours. What are your typical work hours? Yeah, no, it's, it's funny. Um, because you know, the, the one little silver lining of this pandemic is that I do feel like I have way more control over my, my schedule. Um, because I'm not sitting in, in traffic, kind of commuting to and from work. Um, but I do typically, you know, we have a really great culture at, at my company where, you know, the expectation isn't that people are working, you know, 20 hour days and things. I mean, that's impossible, but, you know, like six, 12, 16 hour days. Um, that being said, you know, when there are, you know, big projects that are happening or big launches that are happening and those sorts of things, you know, of course, like, um, 
but typically I work, you know, on nine to five, you know, and, um, I do try to kind of keep my weekends sacred because that's, those are my times to really kind of regroup for the week. I'm very much an introvert, even though no one believes me when I say that. And so I do a lot of, you know, speaking and, um, you know, meetings uh, internally and externally that just take a lot of energy. So I try to keep my weekends pretty sacred, um, and, and don't really open my laptop on them. So. Can you walk me through an average day at your job? Yeah, yeah. So um, every morning I, uh, so I actually randomly throughout this pandemic, I became a morning person, which I never thought would <laughs> happen in my life. So for some reason, I now wake up without an alarm clock at like 6 a.m., which I'm like, who are you? Who, <laughs> what have you done with Lauren? Like, yeah. this is not normal, um, which is nice though. So every morning I kind of have a couple of hours before I even actually sit down at my desk and I meditate or I'll read. Um, I, you know, read some you know, news articles. Um, I do check my emails. Um, just to see if there's any like emergencies or anything like that. Um, and I also check my calendar to see like what meetings um, I have kind of for the day. Um, usually I will have prepped for them the night before or the day before. Um, but sometimes, you know, sometimes people slip little meetings in there. And so, but when I get to my desk, I mean, you know, these days I'm, I probably say about like 60% of my meetings are internal and then the rest are external. Um, so that can range from anything from, having a team stand up with the people team where we're um, kind of just talking with each other about kind of what are the updates around the business and from a people centric uh, perspective or um, checking in with the leads on the marketing team to kind of get a, an understanding of where they're, what they're running at that week. Um, we have a bunch of committees that I'm kind of a part of, I say committees for lack of better word, but basically working groups um, across the business. So helping to inform things like our uh, financial education strategy or or helping to think about our, um, you know, product development and those sorts of things. So working with little clusters of folks across the organization to, to kind of keep to task and make sure we're, we're all in alignment and things are moving smoothly. Um, so it's a lot of meetings. It's a lot of meetings. Um, typically I'll, you know, I usually have a break in the middle for lunch. And if I'm smart, you know, the week ahead of time, I'll put some blocks on my calendar for kind of heads down reading, research and work time. Um, so yeah, that's kind of a typical day. A lot of, a yeah. lot of meetings, <laughs> a lot of yeah. people. So yeah. Yeah, it definitely, it, it sounds like a position that's definitely requiring you to work in groups and, and interact yeah. with a lot of people. It's definitely not one to put your headphones in and shut your yeah. office door and, and work Ugh, alone. So definitely the group project type of person. <laughs> yes, you got to kind of be, you know, if you're super duper introverted or not so quite, so much of a people person, I don't know if this is the role for you. But I do. Yeah, it's it absolutely requires that, you know, you be very collaborative because you want to make sure that you're empowering the rest of your team to kind of do their work from an impact lens as well. Um, and so, yeah, a lot of a lot of touch points with a lot of folks. But um, I do work on a team with like some amazing, hilarious, awesome people. So even if we're in a meeting at 8 a.m., we yeah. we have a good time. So what's a good day at work for you or what's a, a the best day that stands out in a really positive way? Mm. Um, yeah, I think my best days at Dave are um, anytime I get a chance to talk to the whole company. So I've presented at several all hands. 
um, especially in this virtual environment. It's, I just love to, whenever I can kind of like have touch points with, with the rest of the team, um, we have weekly all hands. And of course they're via, you know, video at this point, but we cut up in the comment, like in the chat, like we just have such a good time in the chat. And, and I remember a couple of weeks ago, I had to miss one of the all hands because I was like on a panel or something. And someone reached out to me and be like, Oh, Lauren, we missed you so much in the comments. And I was like, Oh, I love it. Um, so yeah, I, I, I really love the people I work with. Like they're just brilliant, kind, thoughtful, like they care about our customers. They care about the type of product that we are putting out into the world and they're funny. And so we just laugh. We're like always cracking jokes on Slack, like, but obviously, you know, serious when we need to be. Um, so yeah, my best days are when I can interact with, uh, as many of the people on the team as possible. And also just moments where I see my work starting to really kind of shine through. So, um, without me kind of having to have like pulled teeth or something like that. So when I start seeing people use impact language or they're thinking, you know, they're, they're proactively thinking about how they can be as customer centric as possible, or if they're proactively thinking about ways in which we can, um, support different nonprofit organizations or get involved in our employee resource groups, like those sorts of things that happen organically and proactively just make my day because I'm like, oh, it's working. People really are bought into this. So that's, that's really exciting. And then what about a bad day or what's a challenge (laughs) that you frequently face? Honestly, bad days are mostly days that are just, I don't, I don't feel like I have a moment to breathe. So they're either back-to-back meetings um, where I just, I, where I have to kind of flip gear, you know, switch gears kind of every half hour. Um, uh, certainly, you know, anytime, uh, you know, we get any feedback from like a customer where things aren't going well, um, that's never a good feeling. I think, I think the worst days that we, I've had in the last kind of year or so were, days where like some sort of kind of external event has happened, whether it's a natural disaster or some sort of like, you know, a, a, a incident of violence against a black person, you know, or, you know, these really terrible moments that are happening in the world where people have to just take a second and breathe because it's just, it's just, it's just a lot. It's a lot for people to kind of deal with so many of the things that we were dealing with in 2020. It's like, we had a pandemic, we had all these, you know, feeling like it was weekly incidents where people were being murdered at the hands of the police. We had moments where, you know, we were seeing, you know, with fires we had, I mean, there's just so much going on where can I get a break, you know, yeah. and then you have to answer your emails and then you have to still show up to meetings exactly. and you still have to be fine. And so those were some of the worst days, um, you know, last year for me and, and even this year, you know, it hasn't really stopped, but, um, and I, I, and in those moments, I feel I think those are the moments where I feel the most inadequate because I can't show up as much as I would want to for as many of the people in the company as I possibly can. Like, I just sometimes just want to like hold space for people or give them a hug or be like, oh my gosh, this is how we're going to solve this problem immediately. And it's like, you can't, you know, something that's so outside of, you know, my purview or the, our organization's kind of, you know, resources to kind of solve. And so it's just like, but it's still doesn't hurt any less, you know, for people who are directly dealing, you know, with some of these things. So yeah, that, that's been, that was really tough this last yeah. you know, year, just seeing all that stuff happening and how it affected our team. I think back on a lot of these events and just how difficult it was to yeah. 
um, you know, hear of all these things happening in the news and understand that all these people are suffering and then having to like tune it out for a second to be able to focus on work. And it's just so difficult. It's not, it's not possible. What's an end goal for you in this career field? I mean, are there different positions that you hope to work up towards? Are there different things you hope to accomplish? Yeah, I was actually just thinking about that this morning. I was like, what is the, what is the end goal? I do think, you know, my, my goal in life and in this role is to prove that, you know, there isn't this natural inherent tension between profit and purpose, you know, like you don't have to, you know, in order to, to do well from a, um, you know, business, you know, from a financial perspective, you don't have to you know, exploit people, you don't have to, you know, harm people, you don't have to ruin the environment, um, all of these things. And so my goal is to show that like, you can build a really, sorry, there's like a siren in the background. I want to be able to prove to the world, um, along with other colleagues that are also in this work that you can build a really amazing business by doing right, you know, and doing right by the people that are part of your ecosystem. And that includes your employees, that includes your customers, it includes the community that your your organization is is situated in. Um, It includes an an array of stakeholders that um, far exceed just your shareholders (laughs) and your investors, you know, and I think that's something that we've not... um, typically seen, you know, and in our society. And we're, we're at a place now where it's like, I just don't really think we have a choice, you know, but to move in that direction Mm -hmm. of building companies better and doing right by so many more people and centering folks who have been woefully left behind or um, barred access or discriminated against and all these sorts of things. So um, yeah, that is my hope. I think broadly, And then um, the, I guess for me personally, you know, I'd love to be like a chief impact officer at at some point, I guess, you know, I'm still kind of just weighing my options. I think um, I do a lot of uh, startup advising on the side and I'm just so inspired by so many of the founders that I'm working with, many of whom are women, people of color, folks that are coming from underrepresented backgrounds in tech and are just freaking brilliant. They're just doing such amazing things. They're building incredible products. And they remind me that like, yeah, there's a better way of doing this. There's a better way of being a founder, of being a CEO, of being, um, you know, building a product. And so, um, and now they're finally starting to kind of get the capital that they've always deserved. And they're starting to, to get the recognition that they've always deserved. So it's just, it's, that's really fun. So I, I would definitely hope to kind of continue to, uh, expand that work in my life and, and, um, continue to advise, continue to sit on boards and those sorts of things. So, okay. So finally, what advice would you have for someone who feels like they might be interested in this career field? Yeah, I think the the biggest piece of advice I'd have for folks right now is that because, you know, you're rarely going to see, you know, I mean, we're starting to see it more, but like, there's still a a dearth of, you know, you're not going to be on LinkedIn and be able to search, you know, role head of social impact or social impact roles. So you're, you might have to kind of build from within, you know, and so the goal would be to be, to find, you know, companies and brands and organizations that you really love and you care about and you want to see, you know, you want to be a part of their growth. You'd want to um, understand better how, you know, you could 
you know, align an impact strategy with what they're doing and then see what your skill sets are and, and get in the door. And then once you're there and you've built up kind of some of that social capital and um, acumen, you can start kind of making a pitch for why you should run impact. That's really what I did. Um, and, and I think that there's a lot of space to be really entrepreneurial in this, in this realm, you know, you, you are kind of starting a little tiny startup within a startup by kind of positioning yourself as kind of leading the impact work. And there's so much cool stuff to do. Um, so yeah, I would say, you know, definitely tap into that kind of like entrepreneurial mindset. Um, if you can, um, find, you know, the types of brands and have that criteria for yourself, um, and, and build your network around with like incredible mentors that are doing stuff that you, you know, eventually want to do as well, you know? So it's like, I've got so many amazing kind of peer mentors, mentors that are a little bit more senior, um, folks on my kind of what I, you know, personal board of directors that are just fantastic humans that have done things that I'm like, I'm going to do that too, you know, and, but I'm going to do it in my little way. Um, but you need people to help you walk through, you know, how they built their roadmaps for their lives so that when you're building yours, you have something to kind of, you know, look to, you know, and even if you are finding yourself in a space where you're, you're charting your own course. So, um, yeah, definitely recommend that for, for anybody kind of thinking about getting into impact. That's awesome. That's awesome. Thank you so much. And I, I really just love your message and your education for people to understand that there are positions out there that really blend taking care of others and, you know, being on the lookout for those and, and trying to help people succeed in the profit sector, right? And not, and like you said, like not exploiting people. And I just, like like we had discussed a few weeks ago, I think we find ourselves so often really having to choose either mm-hmm. or. And mm-hmm. you're just such a perfect example that that's not the case. And that's so refreshing. Uh, so <laughs> I really hope that, uh, you know, a career like this just continues to grow and more education gets out there that A, it's possible and B, yeah. those positions are out there. Yeah, they're steadily growing. They're steadily growing. So yeah. And you know, I'm on LinkedIn. So, you know, definitely reach out to anybody who's interested, seriously interested in <laughs> and coming into kind of the impact space. Um, but yeah, I I'm excited to kind of see the space continue to grow. And I'm I'm excited to kind of be um at this point kind of an OG, you know, in this space and kind of be one of the kind of early folks. Um, and, and leaving my kind of fingerprint on it in, in a really positive way, I think. So yeah. Um, yeah, excited to see more and more folks kind of come into this work because it's, it's so necessary. A big thank you to Lauren for donating her time to the show. Follow us on Instagram at Employed Podcast and visit our website, employedpodcast.com. Thanks for listening.